Uh, I know this is a little different. The title of my sermon is this. What are you laughing at? <laughs> now, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do this to some of you. How many of you, uh, how many of you think that it's okay to end a sentence with a preposition? When you raise your hand, if you think that is grammatically okay to raise, you, you raise your hand and say it is grammatically okay to end a sentence with a preposition. We only have a few people who really know English in here because it is. I know you heard from some English teacher growing up that probably went to Texas A&M that, um, that you can't end a sentence with a preposition, but you can. Look it up in Oxford Dictionary, okay? So I just say that because, you know, every once in a while I, I end one, and I know some of you are judging me, you know what I mean? So I just want you to get over that, all right? So what, are, what is it that you're laughing at this morning? I was uh, recently, not too long ago, I was invited to come to a banquet and uh, it was a really special, special time uh, for, uh, for a group of people. And I won't give all the specifics uh, lest I get myself in trouble. But um, it was just a neat time. They had a professional athlete come in and speak, a professional football player who came in and spoke. And he, he did a great job. And he was a guy I had always admired from the 70s and 80s. And uh, the guy who invited me and who asked me to come and do the introduction and do a prayer he said, now, there's another, another athlete that you're probably familiar with. And it was a guy I knew. And in fact, I had his football card. And uh, he said, and I think you'll probably be sitting at the same table with him. He said, so I just want to give you a little advance warning. So that was exciting. So my son, I had a card for him. I said, I'll get it signed for you. And so I'm, I go and I sit at my table and there's my name, my wife. And then right next to it is, is this guy, this uh, former athlete and uh, great, great football player. And uh, I'm excited about it, but you know, I'm being cool. And, uh, he's not speaking, but he's just sitting there. And so I, I see him and, uh, he's visiting with people. And, uh, and then I see what I'm sitting, I went ahead and sit down, my wife and I went ahead and sat down and I see this younger couple walk up and that younger couple, it's all relative now. You know, when you get in your forties, young, young's all relative, isn't it? And, and for me, they, they were probably about 40, 41. So that's, that's a young couple. And they walk up, attractive lady and nice-looking young man, and they sit down, and they leave that one spot where that athlete's going to be, where that football player's going to be. They leave it right there. It's, it's still blank until he comes over. And so that couple, we uh, introduce, you know, we, we meet them. They tell us their name, their first name. Then this guy comes and sits down, and he is so nice. We start visiting and start talking for a little while, and after a few moments, I go, well, this is my wife, Allison. And he goes, hi, Alice, how you do? And he turns around. And the young lady who had walked up before, before he'd gotten there and had come up with the other man, and she said, he goes, uh, and this is my wife. Now, this guy's about 70. And uh, that woman at the time looked like she was about 35 or 40. And, uh, and he goes, and this is my wife. And I go, <laughs> And I laughed out loud. And I noticed that they were not laughing. And so we go on and we keep talking, and you know how in your mind you start planning, well, maybe I was wrong, and I go, and I realize all of a sudden this really is his wife, and I go, and this is like three or four minutes later, and he goes, I go, I just want to do something. I'd like to apologize. I saw that couple walk up, and then you came later, and so I thought they were a couple, and I thought you were just making a joke, and the lady goes, well, that makes a little bit more sense. You ever think, like, maybe they didn't take it that way, but, what, like, you know, and, and they did, you know, but you kind of fool yourself thinking 
you know, maybe they're stupid or something and they don't get what you're laughing at. And it was kind of a rather embarrassing moment. And, and I thought about that, you know, this week when I was preparing this sermon. What are you laughing at? And we're going to look at the story in just a moment of, of Sarah and Abraham when God came, comes and makes a pronouncement. As a matter of fact, we won't read this right now, but in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, the Bible says that God tells Abraham that he's going to give him a son through his wife, Sarah. And the Bible literally says in Genesis 17, 17, that Abraham falls down on his face laughing. Okay? God's told him, and he's laughing. He's literally falling down laughing. He obviously thinks that's funny because he's 90 years old. Okay? He, as a matter of fact, he's probably even a little older than that. He's getting close to 100. He thinks that's funny. When was the last time God says something to you that made you laugh? God said, uh, I, I want you to serve here. <laughs> uh, I want you to go share your faith with this person. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I want you to pray that this person will come to Christ. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, right, God. I, I, I want you to begin to, to tithe and to give. <laughs> God, if you knew where my finances are. <laughs> That's funny, God. I, I, I want you to serve in a capacity that nobody else is going to see. Or I want you to do something that maybe you've never done before. And you just kind of laugh to yourself. <laughs> then you relate to Abraham and Sarah. You're like most of You know, the, the truth of it is there, there are a lot of different types of laughter. Uh, there's the courtesy laugh that sometimes we do. You know, when somebody tells a joke and it's a, our boss or they're new and we're just trying to be kind of go, ha, 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 ha. We don't think it's funny at all. But we go ahead and give a courtesy laugh. Then there's the contagious laugh. Everybody's laughing, and it's just kind of funny because everybody else is laughing. And then there's my favorite. There's the belly laugh. You know what I mean? We just kind of laugh from inside because something's so funny to you. You just can't hardly stand but not to laugh. There's the contain laugh. There's the insecurity laugh. You know, the contain laugh is nobody really hears it. You just kind of laugh inside. And the courtesy laugh, you just kind of give a little, you know, laugh to it. Or the insecurity laugh. You know, somebody's intimidated you. The police officer's giving you a speeding ticket. <laughs> what else are you going to do? You know, you're going to do that little nervous laugh thing. Or the cruel laugh. You know, you're, you're laughing because somebody else has had misfortune. Or that team is getting beat and you can't stand them because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers or whoever it is. Or University of Alabama or whatever it is that you're laughing at. Because they're getting beat and it's just, you're just laughing. It's kind of that cruel laugh. There's divine laughter. There's foolish laughter. Divine laughter is where God just kind of laughs at our plans, just kind of laughs at what we think we're going to accomplish, laughs at the wicked because they think they're getting ahead. There's joyful laughter when something happens that's so amazing it makes you laugh and you're just, you just can't believe it. And then there's that laughter of wonderment. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. Now, I want to read to you a few of these from church bulletins. Church bulletin bloopers. These really appeared in church bulletins. These really appeared in church letterhead. Uh, or they really appeared on church signs. Uh, main, mainly they were in the bulletin. Mainly they were announcements. That's what these were. And listen for just a moment. I'm a pastor. I think they're really funny. I hope you do. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. 
The eighth graders will be presenting Shakespeare's Hamlet in the church basement Friday at 7 p.m. The congregation is invited to attend this tragedy. This Easter Sunday, we will ask Miss Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. Thursday night, potluck supper, prayer and medication to follow. The low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. During the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon from J.F. Stuff. Next Sunday, Miss Vincent will be the soloist on Sunday morning. The pastor will then speak on, it's a terrible experience. Due to the pastor, I love this one. Due to the pastor's illness, Wednesday's healing service will be discontinued until further notice. The associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge, up yours. Our next song is Angels We Have Heard Get High. The choir meet will at the Larson's house for fun and sinning. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a good chance to get rid of things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. Wise up, O men of God. Smile at someone who's hard to love and say hell to someone who doesn't care about you. A missionary from Africa is speaking at this church, and her name was Bertha Belch, and this is what the announcement said. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. The Spring Deacon Retreat will be hell May 10th and 11th. I bet it was. This afternoon, there will be a meeting in the north and south ends of the church, and children will be baptized at both ends. A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is hell? Come early and listen to our choir. Next Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the cost of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the new carpet will come forward and get a piece of paper. And the Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bone. Psalm 126, 2 says, the mouth, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. Psalms 2, 4, He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. This is divine laughter, Psalms 37, 13. But the Lord laughs at the wicked. For he sees that his day is coming. Luke 6, 21 says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. And when Jesus was about to heal the young girl who was dead, he was about to raise her from the dead. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 52, And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep for her. She's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. And by taking her by the hand, he called and said, Child, arise, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Hey, laughter's all throughout the Bible. Laughter is something God intended for us to enjoy. And there's lots of different ways that we can laugh, but I think the most amazing form of laughter is the laughter of wonderment. When God 
does something so beyond our capacity that we know it's not us, that it's a blessing of God, that it's the movement of God, that it's the Spirit of God. You know, I, how many times has God spoken to you or spoke to you through a message, through a sermon, through another person, and you just kind of chuckled it off? I remember when I was 14 years old, and I was just an immature punk kid. I mean, I wasn't a bad kid, but I wasn't a godly or mature kid by any stretch of the imagination. I remember my grandmother in Mississippi. I went to visit her. I was 14, and I was staying with her for a few days. And my grandfather had been a minister. He had died uh, many years earlier. And uh, I remember sitting there visiting her with her, and she's, she's at the time, uh, she was about 80 years old, and she said, Ron, you know what? I, I think God has told me that one day you're going to be a pastor. <laughs> I'm going to be a professional baseball player. Which was really the joke, by the way, which was really funny uh, as I look back at it now. And I just thought, eh, grandmother's 80. What does she know? She know what she's talking about. I, I remember uh, a while later, I'm in high school, and uh, I'm a junior in high school. And um, we had a kind of youth Sunday. We only had about 75 in our little rural church in Louisiana. And uh, the pastor said, hey, uh, I want you to kind of share for youth Sunday this Sunday. I want you to speak. And I did, and he goes after, he goes, you know, I think God's probably calling you to preach. <laughs> You're lucky you got me up here to share testimony. You know what I mean? I just kind of laughed at it. And I've told you the story when I was in college. There are all these missionaries going to Africa and all these that had gotten back. And I remember God just kind of whispering, why don't you go to Africa? And I go, I am not going to Africa. <laughs> I would never go. Why, why would I want to go spend a semester uh, without water, you know, and bathing out of a bucket, and it's hot the whole time. I, I don't get why people do that. Again, I was pretty immature. I don't get it. And four years later, God changes my heart. I can't wait to go. Isn't it funny when we laugh? I remember it's 1999. I'm sitting over in my office at Prestonwood, and, and God is just speaking to me. I'm, I'm having a little quiet time, prayer time, and I'd heard about church planting, and it's like God just said, I, I want you to plant. <laughs> whatever i'm not planning I, I feel good where i am i'm secure where i am i, I don't want to think i want to do that and god just came speaking to me the next morning i'm doing my quiet time and just the scripture came up and just kind of again i got okay i'm gonna make a call and see what this is about so i called this mission organization we were working with and I said hey I, I know that you know y'all are planning and all that stuff i said how does that work i mean do you all you know, do you supply the funds and all that? And they go, no, no, we give you just a little bit, but you have to raise all your own money, raise your salary, and find a place. So you don't help with any? No. Okay. He goes, would you like me to send you information? Nope. <laughs> I hung up the phone. And God just kept speaking to me. Isn't it, isn't it funny? Sometimes we hear these things and we just kind of laugh. That's kind of where Abraham and Sarah were. And we're going to pick up here in Sarah's story where she just kind of laughed. And it's interesting that God will give her a message and then he'll provide a mystery and then he'll provide a miracle. You see the message. You see the mystery of how could this possibly happen? And then the miracle. In chapter 18 of Genesis, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, speaking of Abraham, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, behold, there were three men standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, 
Oh, Lord, if you have found favor in my sight, do not pass your servant. Now, a lot of scholars will debate, did Abraham know that this was the Lord, or did he not, did he just think these were just regular men and he's showing hospitality? The truth of it is, I, I think that he probably is hoping. He doesn't know for sure, but he's hoping that God is revealing himself once again that God is going to show him how the promise might be made that he's received 24 years before. You see, in chapter 15, it's 24 years before, and he's received a promise that I will make you the father of many nations. His name was Abram, which meant exalted father. But I'm changing your name now to Abraham, which will be the father of many or the father of nations. And he changed Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah. Sarai, princess, and it was probably an Akkadian goddess name, and he changed it to Sarah, which many scholars believe, uh, Yahweh, now she is princess of the Lord, princess of God, and he's going to use them, but it's been 24 years, that's been a long time, but maybe, maybe God is coming to give me a word, and he's hoping maybe this could be the Lord, and so he said, let a little we water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you might refresh yourselves and after you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. Yeah, I, I love this, this part because three seas actually is almost two gallons of flour. So it's a lot. He goes, let me make you a little morsel. He's doing what you call, he's under-promising and he's over-delivering, okay? And it's wonderful. That's what our God does for us. And that's what Abraham is doing. And Abraham ran to the herd and he took a calf, a tender and good and young calf, and he told the man to prepare it quickly. Now, this is a delicacy. Beef was rare in this time uh, because it was very expensive. Now, goats, that would have been one thing, but he goes and he picks a calf. Many people would have only had meat two, maybe three times a year at a wedding or a a celebration or festival. But he goes and he gets the tender calf. And then he took the curds and the milk, which was uh, kind of a form of yogurt, a kind of a a side dish, so to speak. And the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them. And then the Bible says that he stood by them under tree while they ate. He doesn't eat. He stands and he serves. And they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, She's in the tent. And you notice this message now is for Sarah. Abraham has received the promise. Sarah has never been with Abraham the previous two times when that was communicated in chapter 15 and chapter 17. But now Sarah will hear the message. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent behind the door. She's behind the door, but she's listening in, the Bible says. Now, Abraham and Sarah are old. We get the information. A parenthetical statement is given here for us to understand the situation. It's been 24 years since Abraham received the promise. And now Abraham and Sarah are old. Yes, maybe before, but now we're we're too old. Now now it's, it's been a long time. And the way of women had passed to be with Sarah. In other words, she was past childbearing years. And so Sarah laughs. She did that contained laugh, just kind of in her her spirit. She kind of laughs, that insecure laugh. (laughs) I'm too old now, she thinks to herself. I'm, I'm worn out. I'm not able 
to bear children. And my Lord, speaking of Abraham, he's old. He's an old man. I'm old, and he's really old. This, this isn't going to happen. Shall I have pleasure? You know, he's literally, she's literally, am I going to even be able to have sex with him? Is that, could that even happen? Is literally what she's saying here. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know what that word hard literally is in the Hebrew? You know how you translate it? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too amazing for the Lord? It's not just too hard. Is it anything too wonderful? Is there anything beyond his, his opportunity, his ability? Is there any blessing he could not give? And the Bible says, at the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. You see, there was a message. You're going to have a son, but I'm too old. God, you can't, that can't happen. You see, God, you, you, you missed it. You missed me, God. I mean, 24, 25 years ago, that was possible, but not now. I'm worn out. My husband's too old. It's not going to happen. We don't even have a relationship in that manner right now. The mystery, I mean, how could it happen? How on earth could that happen? And God proclaims the miracle because I have said it. Is anything too hard? Is anything too amazing? And it's interesting how she ends right there. That The story ends with God saying, no, but you did laugh. That's the last word, laugh. He ends it right there. And we can just go on, but it's interesting. Why did it end right there? And God saying, I, I want you to know, I, I know that you laughed. And that's the end of the story. I didn't laugh. You did laugh. Well, for a couple of reasons, I believe. Number one, because when this story is retold, we can't go back and go, well, that's not really what happened. What really happened is she was probably already pregnant. No, we see right here, she was laughing at it. And God said, he was laughing at it. You don't laugh at something that you already are, <laughs> okay? It's already happened. Number two, I believe it's possible that there's laughing because from this point forward, she will always go back to that moment. I remember the day I laughed. You have a time like that in your life? You remember the day you laughed, and it's vividly imprinted in her memory bank for the rest of her life. And the third reason is this. You know what they named their son? Isaac. You know what that means? Laughter. God's laughing. They laughed, and now they're laughing in wonder. They were laughing in disbelief, and now they're laughing in wonderment. They're laughing in amazement. And it just so happened, God divinely decreed, the name would be Isaac. Laughter. When's the last time that God spoke to you about something that seemed impossible? Something you didn't want to do, something was beyond you, something was beyond your perspective that God would have to do. I'm not talking about singing a solo or preaching a sermon. I'm talking about something that maybe you hadn't even thought about that you weren't comfortable with. And you thought about it and you go, not me. I'm not capable. Can I tell you a story about some friends of mine? 
John and Christy Bateman, matter of fact, they're here in this service right now. They started coming. Uh, they just moved down here from Boston, but they used to live uh, in Euless, Texas, where I was a youth pastor. And uh, they were two outstanding kids back then. And um, now I think they're 25 or something. But anyway, uh, this was about actually tw- almost 20 years ago. And um, they uh, got married, and, and uh, he got a job, and they ended up moving to Boston. And uh, they were pregnant with twins. And um, they uh, went through that process, and then uh, they found out uh, at birth that their two twins had a very rare uh, genetic disorder, a blood disorder. And I can't even pronounce it. It's, it's such a large name. It's very, very rare. It's uh, one in a million kind of deal. It almost never happens. But ha- what happens are the platelets, blood platelets start to attack each other. And uh, then when you don't have any platelets, then your body goes into a stroke, and then you typically die. And so they said, your babies are going to die. And they had a baby, Ava and Naomi. And Ava lived for about three days, uh, and then she died. And then they said, this is what's going to happen with Naomi as well. But Naomi was holding on. And, um, and it looked like Naomi might continue to hold on for a little longer. And the neurosurgeon sat down with Christian John, and they said, now, look, here's, here's the situation. Um, she might continue to live, but we need you to low, low, lower your expectation. She will only be a vegetable. You see, Christian Johnny, she doesn't even have 60% of her brain. She has no right brain, and, and a, a large portion of her left brain is gone. So the only thing she'll be is a vegetable. She won't be able to suck or breathe on her own or eat or drink or swallow uh, of course, she'll never walk. She'll never talk. We just want you to understand that if she does go home, you'll, we'll have to send you with a trach and a feeding tube, and this will be her life. This will be your life if that even gets that far. And Chrissy said, no, I, I, I don't think that's right. And she, they continued to pray. And six weeks went by, and they, went, they were going to go back for a surgery to drain uh, the fluid from brain, uh, which often happens in and her head had swelled uh, tremendously large, and they were going to have to go uh, drain the, the fluid off. And the night before they were going in, she was still in the hospital. A- A- Ava has passed away. Naomi's still in the hospital. Um, Christy was, she said, I was praying. I was talking about, she goes, I was literally in the shower just having, a, having it out with God. I was praying, and I was yelling, and I was screaming, I was crying. I was saying, God, why? God, why have you done this? No. And um, she said, you know, I, I grew up Baptist, and so this whole thing that God talks to you, I mean, I believe that God speaks to you through the Bible, but the God, the God would just speak to you, I, I, I didn't believe that, I didn't, that always sounded really goofy to me. And she goes, God just kind of spoke to me in the shower. She goes, I, I heard him. I don't know if he spoke out loud, but I certainly heard him out loud. She goes, and he said, praise me and thank me, and healing will be there. And she said, <laughs> she did that. <laughs> yeah, God. Um, praise you. <laughs> okay, God, I'll praise you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, God. And she said, I said it just like that, not believing, thinking, why have you put me in this place? And, she, and he, it was like he just kept saying, Thank me. Praise me. So I thanked him, and I praised him. And she goes, I went through about 30 minutes of that, and at the end of it, she goes, I was in this euphoria of just praising and thanking God. And it's just like I 
felt the presence of God like I never had, and I knew God had touched my daughter. I knew it was true. And so I told my husband, when we go in tomorrow, tell them we need an ultrasound. Tell them to check her brain. And so we went the next day, and we told them, and they looked at us like, we're in Boston, for heaven's sake. You know, and uh, they looked at us and go, okay. (laughs) And they went and they did the procedure. And um, a, a little while later, we ended up taking her home, and she was able to swallow. And she was able to breathe on her own, and she was able uh, to suck, which was, which was huge. And we went through several months and, months, and we began to notice she became more and more alert. And at about 13 months, she was walking. They said she'd never, certainly never been able to walk. That was out of the question. And we went back to the, to the doctor, and the neurosurgeon's looking at it, and he's going, I, I can't explain this to you. And he goes, come in here. He goes, uh, I can't explain it to you, but she's got a brain now. She didn't have one before, and now she has one. I, and Chris, he said, what do you think happened? He goes, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you it's a miracle. She goes, I know, I know. And she kept saying, I can tell you what happened. He goes, okay, tell me what happened. He goes, and Chris, he goes, remember, these are neurosurgeons in Boston. This is not the beacon of Christianity. And she goes, Jesus did it. Jesus healed my little girl. I want to show you a picture of, this is Naomi right here. Naomi's in our, she's in our back today, and she's not only walking, she's talking. Uh, she was at dinner with a pastor, and it's a miracle. And it all started with a laugh. Praise me. I recognize, hey, look, I know it doesn't happen that, time, that way every time. Remember, they had another daughter that died. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, in God's infinite mercy and grace, he chooses to amaze. He chooses to, to, in wonderment, is there anything too hard? I want you to remember I'm God. And though you may have lost much, though you may have suffered, may, though it may not have happened for you, let me tell you this, that one day, all who know Christ will experience the wonderment of God. And you may only get a taste here today. It may not be what you're experiencing at the moment, but can I tell you, the wonderment is coming. One day, all of us who know Christ as our Savior will know what it is like to have a perfect body. No pain. Some of us will know, all of us who know, will know what it's like to have our relationships that have gone on before us reestablished in fullness one day, for those who call Christ Savior, believe that God has the power to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, we'll experience the wonderment of God's amazing grace. What are you laughing at today? What is God calling you to take a step of faith in? I gave you the benefit of the service. I'm going to remove any of your excuses we need about six more people to say, I will help children with special needs. You go, I'm not equipped. Can you be kind? Can you listen? Can you pray? God wants to use you. Maybe it's something else. The question is, will I laugh and say no, 
or will I laugh and say, God, I can't believe you'd use me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Thank you, God, for this beautiful story of your amazing power, your amazing grace. And Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you, I'd be, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they come to know you as Lord and Savior. Let them experience your grace and mercy. Lord, for those whom you're calling to be involved in the work of the kingdom, God, I pray that you would draw them today where they'd say, yes, I'm ready to be used. God, use me to make a difference. Lord, we thank you for the great grace that's been afforded. May we embrace it today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.